Hello, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of All in Politics. I am Baron. And I'm Yaqing. We are students at Claremont McKenna College working with the Keck Center for International Studies on the Podcast Fellowship. We would like to thank Terrell Jones for his support for our podcast. So, Yatin, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about our podcast? Of course, Baron. As our title suggests, we will explore the political and economic effects of the Olympic Games on their hosting cities and countries in this series. In this episode, we will look at how hosting the Olympic Games can impact developing cities and countries. Before we get into that, let's briefly look at the history of the Olympic Games. The Olympic Games originated in Greece 3,000 years ago, but the first modern Olympic Games took place in 1896 in Athens. Pierre de Coubertin, apologies for my French pronunciation, was the founder of the International Olympic Committee, or IOC for short, which organized the first modern Olympic Games. The IOC has a lot of power and influence for matters regarding the Olympics. Amongst many other functions, the IOC has the power to choose host cities for games, and they play an important role in the Olympic Games even to this day. Hubertin's two main rationale for having an international sports event were firstly, to provide a platform for amateur sportsmen, not professional sportsmen, and secondly, to unite people across different cultures and bring peace to the world. However, both of his rationales were nullified in later games. The amateurism rule prevented professional sportsmen, in other words, those who earn money from playing sports, to participate. In 1912, James Francis Thorpe, who had been paid for playing two seasons of semi-professional baseball before competing in the Olympics, won both the pentathlon and decathlon championship. His professional status was later discovered by the IOC, and his medals were nullified. Meanwhile, according to the Central Intelligence Agency (CIA), the Soviet Union cheated by making fake profiles for professional sportsmen and having them compete as students and soldiers. The amateurism rule was determined to be unfair in the 1990s, after the Soviet Union collapsed, and their influence in the IOC was gone. The second rationale, which was to promote peace among different countries, was hard to follow as well, as a sports event that has the abilities of each country's representative athletes and garners attention from all around the world. The Olympic Games are the perfect stage for the groups that seek attention. Such as fascist government or terrorists, according to a research done by Technological University Dublin, in the past the fascist regime paid great attention to physical education and sports. Understood as both spectator and amateur sports, the Olympic Games were a sort of ultimate goal of the Italian sportive organization to show the world the greatness of the Italian race shaped by the regime. For example, in 1930s. The Mussolini Mafia redistributed most of its social and economic resources to prepare for the 1940 Olympics, including building new stadiums and infrastructure, such as Foro Italico, then called Foro Mussolini, which means Mussolini's Forum. The first few modern Olympic Games looked very different from what we have come to know as the Olympic Games. For starters, in the 1896 Olympic Games. Only 241 athletes from 14 nations competed in a mere 43 events. To put this into perspective, the 2021 Tokyo Olympics featured more than 11,000 athletes from 206 countries, 
including national Olympic committees that are not actually countries, and they competed in 339 events. However, the change of scale is not the only difference between early games and contemporary games. Besides the amateurism rule, women were not allowed to compete in the first Olympic Games in 1896. They started to participate in the second Olympics Games in 1900. The two Olympic Games immediately following the first one experienced a decline, but the games since 1908 generally grew in scale and popularity. Nonetheless, there were some hiccups along the way though, such as the cancellation of the 1916 Berlin Olympics due to World War I and the cancellation of the 1940 and 1944 Olympics due to World War II. Subsequent to World War II, the 1948 London Olympics became the first to be televised in homes, and the Olympic movement continued to grow and expand internationally. The 1964 Tokyo Olympics were the first to be hosted in Asia and is generally considered to have been an overall success, while the 1968 Games in Mexico City were the first to be hosted in Latin America, the event was marked by the protest of two African-American athletes during the medal ceremony, Tommy Smith and John Carlos, who placed first and third respectively for the 200-meter race, raised their fists during the national anthem. The Olympic Games following 1968 continued to be quite controversial and had many different problems. In the 1972 German Games, eight Palestinian terrorists from the group Black September stormed the Olympic Village and killed two members of the Israel team while taking nine other members hostage. Eventually, all nine hostages were killed, five of the terrorists were killed, and a policeman died as well. The 1976 Montreal Olympic Games resulted in a huge economic loss of 1.6 billion Canadian dollars, a 13-fold increase from the estimates, which left them with a debt that they spent 30 years paying off. Following that, in the 1980 Moscow Games that happened amidst the Cold War, among almost 70 countries boycotted the game following the U.S. lead. After a slew of relatively unsuccessful Olympic Games that damaged the IOC and Olympic Games' reputation, Los Angeles was the only bidder for the 1984 Games. With little leverage, the IOC had to permit LA to not have any financial responsibility if there were any operating losses. The LA Games turned out to be a huge financial success and led to a net profit of more than $200 million. From 1984, Broadcast revenue exploded and the Seoul Olympics in 1988 and the Barcelona Olympic in 1992 were both financially successful games. For the Barcelona Games in particular, the number of beaters increased back to five. Since the 1992 Games, the Games have continued to grow and each of the Olympic Games from 1992 to 2024 has had four or more bidders. However, there were still problems during this stretch of time including the uncovering corruption of IOC members and a terrorist bomb attack in the 1996 Atlanta Olympics that killed two persons. The biggest problem, though, was the astronomical, economic, and environmental costs of the game that were making governments and the general public of the nation more and more opposed to hosting the Olympics. The amount of host bids gradually decreased as general public-approved decreased. Reminiscent of the situation prior to the 1984 Los Angeles Olympics, there were only two bidders for the 2024 Olympics. 
Paris, and Los Angeles. In fear that Los Angeles would not bid again if they were to choose Paris as the host, the IOC chose Paris to host the 2024 Olympics and let Los Angeles host the 2028 Olympics, while Brisbane, Australia will be hosting the 2032 Olympic Games. Now that the history of the Olympic Games has been established, we will move on to the effects of the Olympic Games hosted in developing countries. Generally speaking, the Olympic Games have negative economic impacts on their host cities in the short term, regardless of whether they are developing or developed. For example, to prepare for the 2008 Beijing Olympics, Beijing spent $42 billion while they only earned $3.6 billion revenue. The famous Bird Nest Arena costs $10 million a year to maintain and is hardly in use except for occasion events. Many host cities and countries end up significantly overspending past their initial budget estimates due to many reasons. In many cases, the entities that benefit the most from the Olympic Games are private ones like construction companies rather than the entire general public. In addition, the budget for the Olympic Games tends to be underestimated so that the government and general public will approve of the Games, and then once the Games are approved of, spending exceeds the estimates greatly. Nonetheless, for many countries, reasons for hosting the Olympics go beyond short-term financial benefits. Common reasons cited for hosting the Olympics include boosting the country's image, increasing tourism, increasing foreign investment, increasing employment, and improving infrastructure, and so on. If certain conditions are met, it is possible for these benefits to be reaped by host countries or host cities. Two good examples would be the 1964 Tokyo Olympics and the 1992 Barcelona Olympics. The 1964 Games in Tokyo, Japan, were the first to be held in Asia. They were also the first to be caltast internationally without the need for tapes to be flown overseas. Additionally, popular sports in Japan such as sumo wrestling and judo were color telecasted by Toshiba, a domestic Japanese tech firm. Besides their color telecast, they also showcased their commercial passenger jet, new highways, and various more accurate sports timing machines. The 1964 Games was a platform that declared Japan has emerged as a world technological leader. At that time, the new Japan was no longer a wartime enemy, but a peaceful country that threatened no one. Moreover, the Games has also been referred to as Japan's rebirth. It triggers several major urban development projects that have continued to benefit the city over the last 50 years, including new highways, sports venues, hotels, airports, and railway lines. The legacy lasts even until its bid for 2020, as some of its venues are still in use and well-managed. In somewhat of a similar fashion to Japan, it can be argued that the 1992 Games boosted Barcelona's image, increased their tourism, and ultimately led to long-term economic benefits. In preparation of the 92 Games, the revenue of the Barcelona municipality grew by $15.2 billion as a result of the increase in economic activity, while municipal revenue from property taxes grew by $22.8 million. Municipal revenue after the Games is estimated to have increased by $19 million annually as a result of hosting the event. During that period of time, over 210,000 jobs are estimated to have been created. Six years after the Games, unemployment in Barcelona was almost 5 percentage points lower, whereas Spain's national unemployment rate only decreased by 3 percentage points during the same period of time. Not to mention, 
the significant investment in infrastructure and comprehensive management plan for the post-Olympic period contributed to making Barcelona one of the top tourist attractions in the world. The number of business conferences in Barcelona significantly increased after the Games as well. However, it may very well be the case that the 1964 Olympic Games, 1992 Games, and other so-called successful Games were exceptions or only feats that could have been achieved in the 20th century, while Olympic costs were relatively low. Professor Andrew Zimbalos is an economist and one of the foremost experts on megasports and the Olympic Games. He shares more insights about the 1964 Tokyo Games. Back in the 1960s, the cost of hosting the Games was much, much lower. The Games were smaller, the expectations were less, uh, and you can do it with a uh, billion dollars of investment, not, not the 15 to $50 billion that you need today. And, and Tokyo, for the 2020 or 2021 Games, uh, if you include the cost of shutting down part of their economy for, for almost a month, they, they spent well over $40 billion in costs to, to host the Games. But more generally, what happened in Tokyo in 1964 was pretty much sui generis. It's pretty much unique. And the reason it was unique is because Japan, of course, was emerging out of its role with the Axis powers during World War II. Uh, it was ostracized in the international community. Uh, when, the world, when World War II was over, per capita income in Japan was approximately $100. Um, it was not a developed country, but it started to develop. Uh, the, the economic miracle in Japan, uh, pushed along by very active government involvement, involvement from the Ministry of Finance and Miti, the, the economy started to grow very rapidly in the 1950s. Um, and as the economy grew, it needed more and more infrastructure and it needed more and more facilities. Uh, and hosting the games dovetailed very nicely with some of the needs that the developing city of Tokyo had. Uh, and that was because of a historical circumstance. Uh, it was also the case that Japan, as an ostracized nation, wanted to recast its image, and the Olympics gave it the opportunity to do that. So I think it was a, a very special historical circumstance. It's very hard to repeat. Professor Jules Boykoff is one of the leading academics who has researched and written extensively about political activism, the Olympic Games, and climate change. He speaks with us about the Barcelona 92 Games. Certainly in Barcelona, another city that I, I lived in and did research in, in in the 92 Olympics, there were positive elements. After all, around 33% of the bill for the Barcelona Olympics was paid by private sources. Uh, that's more than any Olympics in, in uh, recent memory. And so like that's positive. In other words, that wasn't just shuffled onto the backs of taxpayers. But there were also, when I was in Barcelona, sharing these, these facts with people that knew them full well because they lived them, they also pointed me to a massive gentrification that happened in neighborhoods like Poble Nou and other problems that emerged from the Olympic Games, including the militarization of the police force in, in Barcelona. And they also were quick to point out to me that this was kind of a one-off thing because Barcelona was just joining the EU. They were emerging out of the fascist Franco era. And so there was a possibility, a huge possibility for increasing tourism, which no longer is, exists there. So, you know, there's a specific set of conditions that help Barcelona be what some people deem to be a success. Hosting the Olympics can cost 
dire consequences for developing countries. In recent years, an increasing number of developing countries have hosted Olympic Games or other major sporting events like the FIFA World Cup. Here we look at those BRICS countries. BRICS is an acronym for five developing regions, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Of the BRICS countries that hosted the Olympics, all of them made a financial loss. Though it can be argued that there were various non-economic benefits for these BRICS countries, they are hard to measure and may take a long period of time to be fully gauged. In particular, the Olympic Games had a huge economic and environmental toll on Brazil. Not to mention the international public backlash against the Brazilian government. We asked Professor Zimbalist whether developing countries could benefit from the Olympic Games. If you look at the more recent experiences in Beijing, developing country in 2008, Rio, developing country in 2016, or if you want to look at the Commonwealth Games um, in India or the Commonwealth or, or the World Cup in, in South Africa, um, these are all BRICS nations that, that hosted these mega events. And I don't think any one of them benefited at all. Uh, and, and arguably, the, the economic costs were horrific and the political and social disruption that ensued uh, was very, very pressing and, and, and damaging to, to their societies. Uh, so I don't think there's, there's a, a, a developing nation argument at all. I think, in fact, developing nations have to invest so much more in infrastructure, road, transportation infrastructure, public transportation infrastructure, communication infrastructure, security and hospitality infrastructure. Their investment is so much greater and their ability to, to uh, withstand those costs is so much less that it makes no sense at all to talk about this as, as, a, as a boon or as a benefit to developing countries. Look, the, the Olympics, the modern Olympics was conceived of an athletics event in 1896. It's turned into a construction event. It's very beneficial to the construction companies in a country that get billions of dollars of contracts. It's not beneficial to the economy. Uh, and, and, when you, and when you push it onto a, a, a developing country like Brazil or a city like Rio, what you're doing is inviting a lot of inefficiency, a lot of waste, and a lot of corruption. And all of that happened to Rio. Professor Boykoff also talked about his firsthand experience in Brazil and Olympics' negative environmental impacts. So I had the good fortune of being a Fulbright Research Fellow in Rio de Janeiro in 2015, and then I was in Rio for the Olympics in 2016 as well. And so I got to see with my own two eyes as the Olympic juggernaut prepared to move into the city and the effects that it had in the city. And, you know, Olympic honchos will tell you that hosting the games is a big deal for your city. And it certainly was a big deal for Rio de Janeiro. It just wasn't the positive deal that it was framed up to be in the beginning. And so if we start with overspending, the Olympics were supposed to cost $12 billion in Rio de Janeiro. In the end, they ended up costing more like $20 billion. In terms of the militarization of public space, you saw that in every quadrant of the city, not just in the Olympic zones. They had 85,000 security officials dotting the urban terrain. That was double the number of the London Olympics that were held four years prior. In terms of displacement and the eviction of working people, 77,000 people were kicked out of their homes to make way for Olympic venues and sites. And I followed a number of communities that were affected by the Olympics when I was living in Rio. One of them became quite well known to the rest of the world. It was called Vila Autodromo. 
And there were numerous people that were kicked out of their homes from there, including one individual with whom I had the good fortune of working quite a bit, a woman by the name of Eloisa Elena Costa Bertu. And Eloisa Elena is a practitioner of Candomblé religion, which is a mixture of, uh, it's like an Afro-Brazilian religion. And her orisha or her goddess was right there along the water, along the Jacare Pagua Lagoon where she lived. And so for her getting up and moving because of the Olympics, moving to a different part of the city was going to shatter her spiritual life. And she was just one of 77,000 people, all of whom had individual stories that varied. Some like Eloisa Elena's had their lives totally upturned, others perhaps not so much. But the fact of the matter is the Olympics displaced these people who would otherwise still be living happily in their homes. And the fourth trend that you see is greenwashing in, in Rio de Janeiro. After all, if you look at the Olympic bid documents, it talked about how some 80% of the water flowing into Guanabara Bay would be treated by the time the Olympics opened up in 2016. And this was greeted by a lot of people who I interviewed in Rio with happiness. I mean, hey, cleaning up the water would be wonderful. So it has to happen through the Olympics, fine. At least it's going to happen. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. And by the time the Olympics rolled around, only around 25% of the water was actually being treated as it flowed into Guanabara Bay. And I actually went just before the Olympics out in a boat with a bunch of tourists and we toured Guanabara Bay. And it's actually, you get a nice view of the city and you had all these tourists taking pictures of the beautiful skyline in Rio de Janeiro. And you had me pointing my phone downwards at the disgusting water going by, looking at, you know, catching pictures of like a couch and like a dead goat and like other animals just like floating by carcasses. And so, you know, the false promise of greenwashing was in abundance in Rio as well. And that's why when you go to Rio today, there's kind of a bad taste in the mouth of most people who were involved with the Olympics and got their hopes up only to have them dashed on the shoals of Olympic promises that were that were never followed through on. Brazil may be an example of how developing countries were negatively affected by hosting the Olympic Games. It is undeniable that in recent years, all the developing countries that have hosted the Olympic Games have made a loss. The alleged non-economic benefits are difficult to measure, and this difficulty leaves room for the host government and the IOC to make vain claims about the remarkable impact of the Olympic Games. The Sochi Winter Olympics in 2014 cost more than all the Winter Olympics before it combined. Issues of corruption and human rights violations were raised as families were relocated. So, in this episode, we explore the history of the Olympic Games and the effects they can have on developing countries. Please join us for our next episode, where we look more closely at the political and economic effects of the Olympics on developed countries. We will delve into the Tokyo 2021 Olympics and interview more experts of the Games. Thank you.